Welcome to the Runners Connect Run to the Top podcast, where it's all about learning from the best minds in the sport so you can train smarter, stay healthy, and run faster now. And now your host, Tina Muir. Hello, this is Tina Muir, and I would like to welcome you to another episode of the Runners Connect Run to the Top podcast. Inspiration. We can find it almost anywhere. The running world is surrounded by it. However, there are some people that just give off so much energy and passion that they inspire you just by being around them. My guest today is definitely one of those people. From not even knowing what a marathon was at age 35, to qualifying for the Olympic trials within a matter of years, my guest today is the textbook example of chasing your dreams at any age. My guest today is Susan Loken. Susan took up running at the age of 35, like I just mentioned, after the birth of her third child. She finished second in the 2004 Masters Marathon Championships and returned to win in 2005, 2006, 2007 and 2010. How's that for an impressive turnaround? She qualified for the 2004, 2008, 2012 Olympic trials and is currently training to qualify for her fourth for 2016. She founded Believe, Train, Become Coaching to help runners and aspiring athletes to achieve personal success. Today, Susan and I are going to talk about how Susan started as a run walker and progressed to her 231, 241, sorry, marathon PR at age 45, the choices Susan made to reach her goals and how you can do the same to live the running lifestyle, the importance of training partners to inspire one another, why running is secondary to prehab or physical therapy, and how her approach has changed to training as she has aged. What to do as a female master's runner as your body changes and why you need to get hormones checked regularly. And finally, Susan's advice for setting goals as you get older. Enough of an intro, let's meet Susan. Welcome to the Run to the Top podcast, Susan. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. We're very excited to have you and I'm looking forward to learning from you and I'm sure a lot of our listeners want to know a lot more about you too. So can you start by giving us a bit of uh, background on your life outside of being a runner? We'll delve into inside, but if you start with outside for us. Well, outside of being a runner, I have three sons, uh, one stepson, one stepdaughter, uh, daughter-in-law and two granddaughters. (laughs) So my outside of running is full of family, um, a lot of events, a lot of family time. We're very close family. So we do a lot of things together. And, um, my kids are involved in, well, my youngest son is involved in sports. He plays lacrosse. Um, actually he just won the state championship on Saturday. So I'm a very proud mom (laughs) and he graduates from high school this year. So, um, that is time consuming. My family also loves to ski together. They snowboard and mom skis because I cannot (laughs) snowboard. Um, and then in the summertime, we get away from Arizona and just have a little beach time. Um, and we're an active family, so we like to hike and bike and just do real fun outdoorsy things together. Oh, that's great. And uh, I'm impressed that you say skiing because I've always been a little scared of it myself that, you know, I'm going to tweak my knee or do something. So that's good. You've been able to get outside, get outside of that comfort zone and, and do something different. Do you think well, I don't uh, take risks when I'm skiing? So. Oh. <laughs> In a straight line. <laughs> I'm very conservative, and I'm kind of there to be with my kids and yeah. to enjoy them. So yeah. I'm not setting any ski records. Okay. <laughs> I, w- I would think that the competitive side would take over, but now you're pretty good at reeling that no, in. I can't be competitive, so when skiing. So <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's good to know. And you think you're you know none of your kids run right now? I take it, but any chance you think they'll kind of follow your lead? 
Uh, no. <laughs> They're all actually, um, my middle son plays for the ASU um, soccer team. Okay. And then he played um, community college golf. Oh. And then my oldest son um, is big into uh, CrossFit competitive. He competes in CrossFit. Oh, cool. And then again, my youngest son um, is on lacrosse. So they all have, they're all athletic, but running, my youngest son did try track one time to make mom happy. <laughs> and um, he did it for one season and he was like, there you go, mom, I'm done. Oh, dear. <laughs> well, I guess <laughs> so, it's but good. That's okay. Yeah. I mean, as a parent, I just really want to teach them to follow their passion. And yeah. I don't care what that passion is, long <laughs> as it's a passion. No, that's great. And, um, they're doing that, so I'm happy. That's great. That's great. And it's good they're all doing different things as well, rather than uh, having to have that comp- competition between them. Uh, so you yourself took up running at age 35, but what uh, prompted you to choose running over other sports or other activities? Um, honestly, I think it was for the simplicity, um, because we had just moved to Arizona from uh, Seattle, and I just had my third son, and it was really just to get out of the house and start running and have time to myself because I'd never been a stay-at-home mom before. Mm-hmm. And so it was easy. I could go outside, put on a pair of running shoes, and just – I started walking, so I kind of went walking, jogging. And um, we didn't have a ton of money back then either, and so it didn't cost very much. Yeah. And so it was time for me to get outside, kind of get fit, have time alone, and, um, you know, it was easy on the pocketbook. So yeah. that's what got me started. That's definitely quite a common reason that people begin running. And it's good. Uh, you said you started with walking. Um, I think that's good for people to know that, you know, it's not necessarily you um, You started at 35 and you just had this natural ability to go out and run 20 miles. But it's, tell us about how you began running. Like what? Um, I just, again, like I said, I just went outside just to have some time to myself, really. My husband would get home. And I'm like, here's the baby. And I'd go outside for a walk. And then I got bored of walking, to be quite honest. And so then the walking turned into running. Then it was run walking. Um, and the next thing I knew, I could run three miles without stopping. And so I, mean, I still remember that day clearly as anytime I've even won a marathon because I ran three miles without stopping. I ran into the house. My husband was taking a shower. And I'm like, guess what? I ran three miles and I didn't stop. And so um, from that moment on, I just loved it. I loved the feeling of accomplishment and success and um, everything that it gave me. Oh, that's great. Very inspirational there. And that was the day you decided you wanted to do a marathon or was there kind of some intermediate steps between that? Yeah, that was intermediate steps. I didn't decide to do a marathon until I met some other runners. Okay. And they were, and I was like, oh, what are you doing? And they're training for a marathon. And um, I was, well, what's a marathon? I had no <laughs> idea what a marathon, I mean, I wasn't a runner. I knew nothing. And they're like, oh, they're running 26.2 miles. And I'm like, oh, can I join you? Can I train? Um, really not knowing what I was getting myself into. <laughs> And, and how so was I kind that? Of started, yeah. And so I started training with them and um, that actually kind of fell off. And I met a friend's husband who took me under his wing and then we started training for a marathon. And I ran that first marathon. Um, I think I was, yeah, I was 36 and it was just about four hours. Okay. And when I crossed that finish line, my life was never the same. I was hooked. I loved it. I loved the feeling of accomplishment um, and everything about it. Even during the race, you were enjoying it? Or was it kind of a a wake-up call for you at that point? Honestly, during the race, I was enjoying it. Really? I was happy. Yeah. I enjoyed every step of it. And when I crossed the finish line, you know, I was crying, you know, tears of joy. I was so excited. Um, You would have thought I won a gold medal. (laughs) I thought I conquered the world by finishing that marathon. Mm -hmm. So that just gave me 
self-belief and uh, motivation to keep going. I think that's great, actually, and a good point to bring up that at the end of the day, it, it, it is a marathon. And I think sometimes we often forget that, that, you know, you get so caught up in PRs and running your best and beating this person or that person. But at the end of the day, even just doing it, it's a wonderful experience. And it just just finishing is is pretty impressive to do 26 mm-hmm. miles. Um, so what, what, what would you say you said, you know, that was a life changing moment for you, but what did you, what did you change after that moment to really start attacking this? And you went, you know, down to sub three, uh, within a matter of years. So what really changed within you or the way you approached your life and your training after that? Uh, well, after that first marathon, I decided to start setting goals because the first goal was just to run a marathon. I had no time goal. I was just running mm-hmm. and I ran it in four hours. And then my second marathon, um, everybody had, now that I was kind of in that little runner's world, um, <laughs> everybody was trying for the Boston marathon. So I thought, okay, well, I can run a marathon. Surely I can qualify for Boston. And so my next marathon was a San Diego marathon and I qualified for Boston. Wow. Great. And then my third Boston or my third marathon was Boston in the year of 2000. Okay. And how old were you at that point when you uh, did your third marathon? 2000. Pardon me? How old were you when you did that uh, third marathon? Like how many years had passed during this time? Let's see. So it would have been 2000 or yeah, it was year of 2000 and it's 15, and I'm almost 52. So it must've been like 38. I was about okay. 38. Okay. So it was a pretty, pretty short amount of time between uh, first Yeah. Cause I pretty and- much ran. Yeah. I ran, uh, July, I think it was July, San Francisco. Then less than a year later, I ran the San Diego and qualified. And then the following year, I ran the Boston Marathon. Okay. And then was it the the next year that you won the Tucson Marathon? Tucson Marathon, I won in, that would have not been until 2003. Okay. Because that was to qualify for the Olympic trials in 2004. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit about that race? um, The Tucson Marathon? Yeah. Yeah. So after I qualified for the Boston Marathon, I ran the Boston Marathon. And then my um, goal was just to get a little bit faster. And then almost like the marathon, somebody said, oh, why don't you try to qualify for the Olympic trials? And I was again like, well, what are the Olympic trials? (laughs) And at that time, the qualifying standard was a lot easier. It was, if I remember right, like 250 or maybe, no, no, 248, 248. And so I had tried in... 2003 at the Duluth Marathon and ran a 2.52. So between the Boston Marathon and deciding to try to qualify for the Olympic trials, I ran like a 3.10, a 3, and then a 2.52 in Duluth. And then the Tucson Marathon, the very first marathon that I won, um, was in December before the Olympic trials. And um, that's where I ran the 2.44. So the first time I got um, was kind of considered an elite um, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Oh no, and that's great. Yeah. It was crazy exciting. It yeah. Was so fun. And to run it, that was the course record as well. Yes, it was. Uh-huh. Okay, great. And, uh, so for people that, you know, they, they run and they, they, you know, commit themselves and do everything. Can you tell us a little bit about that? The journey from that point, it wasn't just, you know, you started running. There was obviously you made some commitment, you made some changes for people that think, you know, it's just about talent. What other changes did you make? You know, you obviously committed yourself at that point. Um, Well, after I decided I wanted to get a little more serious about running, I hired a coach Mm -hmm. for one because I really didn't know what I was doing. So I needed some uh, plan and some guidance, paid more attention to my diet, um, definitely made it a priority. Uh, So you can't do everything. So you do have to go er go to bed earlier. 
Um, you have to eat right. You can't party, so to speak. <laughs> um, you just, for me, it was a choice. It wasn't a sacrifice. Okay. It was a commitment because the goal was important enough to me to where I was willing to make those changes and those um, choices in my life. And so I did make those choices. Um, you know, I would put my kids to bed and I would go to bed, you know, and um, that was just my choice. And I, I loved the running lifestyle. So it was a, it was a good choice. Yeah, that's great. What is it about running that you, you do love the most then? Um, I like getting up every single day with a goal and feeling accomplished before it's even sunlight outside. There's just something about that. And mm-hmm. now I've been doing it for so long. It's the same as breathing and eating for me. Mm-hmm. A day without running is like a day without sunshine, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. That's but, definitely. Yeah. So I just really, I just love the journey. I love, um, you know, like this morning I had hill repeats. I couldn't wait to get up. You know, it's been, what am I, 52, almost 52 now. Um, it's been quite a few years and I'm still excited about getting up and conquering my uh, workout. Mm-hmm. And when I was done, I'm high-fiving with my training partners and we're all excited and what a great way to start the day. Oh yeah, definitely. I think, uh, that, I love running in the morning as well. I think it, this, there really is something about it knowing that you've accomplished so much and especially you know if you go into work and you see other people walking around the office and you know they they're still pulling the sleep out of their eyes and you think well I've already done you know 10 miles of work or whatever it is that you have to do I think that is one of the great things about running and I think it actually gives you energy as well Um, and it does mm -hmm. yeah and I love eating healthy and it inspires me to eat healthy I think about everything I put into my body now And I think that was part of the change before I became serious, so to speak, about running, where I would just just eat for pleasure. Mm -hmm. And now I fuel my body for performance. Mm -hmm. And I like that. Okay. And it feels good. Yeah. And you can see the difference. You could see the difference even back then. uh, Absolutely. Okay. Mm -hmm. Do you have any like treat foods or anything that you do like that you like to splurge with? Absolutely. Uh, red wine and brownies. Ooh, good choices. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm all about moderation. And yep. so I would say I eat clean and healthy 90 plus percent of the time. But absolutely, I have my share of, you know, red wine, brownies, um, whatever treats mm-hmm. I want at that time. Yeah, no, that's good to know. And I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that, you know, it is about moderation and you do allow yourself to have those treats because I think a lot of runners think that uh, you do have to eat clean 100% of the time and that just that just isn't the case. I mean, even even elites, like you said, um, have those treats or have those weaknesses and it's okay to indulge in them. Absolutely. Um, and you mentioned about having training partners. Do you, has that played a big part in your life and your running life? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think that's part of the fun of the running lifestyle. You know, mm-hmm. we talked about getting up early, the feeling of accomplishment and the um, just the everyday joy. But it's not a success is not a solo journey. And it's so fun in order for you to push yourself. I think having others to inspire you when you're having a bad day or you to inspire them when they're having a bad day is absolutely priceless. Yeah. And all of this, I don't think I could have ever accomplished without training partners and support of my family, my husband, my kids, um, you know, physical therapist, strength trainers, the list goes on and on and on. Mm-hmm. That's great. So w- related to that, you know, having people to run with is one aspect of it. But what um, other advice or what other suggestions would you have to someone who thinks, you know, it's too late to start running as a master's, you know, I... I'm not 20 years old. I'm not going to start running. I don't want to be out there. Do you have any other thoughts on how, how they can get themselves out the door? Um, well, first of all, if I can do it, they can do it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, and I don't think 
it's it's never really too late. I think if you have a plan and if you just don't start with big, huge, unrealistic goals, mm-hmm. I mean, it's baby steps. I didn't run a, you know, my PR in one day. It took yeah. me quite a few. I didn't run my PR until I was, what, 45. And so when I started, so that was, what, almost nine years later? Yeah. And so um, I just think for somebody who's just starting out, maybe a master's runner, they can absolutely do it if they just set set little tiny baby step goals and once they start achieving those, they're going to have that wonderful feeling of success and then they can continue on. Mm-hmm. And, and what do you say? The, go on. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, and also to round up a running bu- uh, buddy or a training partner, a training group, that will really help inspire them too. Yeah. And would you say uh, like for females, it can be a bit more difficult. I mean, I think you're, you're a great role model for other women to have someone to look up to. Do you think it there is an aspect that it becomes more difficult as a woman or do you think that's kind of gone now that? that kind of perspective. Do I think running a marathon is more difficult as a woman or just, um, just like the whole running um, community, basically. Like, do you think there's less of a um, stereotype that running isn't for women or have you not really found that? I think running absolutely is for women. I found honestly, in my personal experience, I found nothing but support. That's great. I mean, nothing but tons of other women, um, female women, especially runners really support each other. Again, it doesn't matter if you're a four hour marathon or a two hour and 40 minute marathon or they're there and they're supportive and they cheer for you and inspire you. Um, I have just found other female athletes and runners to be totally inspirational. No, that's great. I've actually had the same, the same thing myself. I just, I was just curious myself as you started a bit later, like whether, whether you noticed any of that, but that's good. You didn't. Oh, okay. So can you tell us a bit about um, your distance project? I'm not actually quite sure how to say, is it uh, Sonoran or? Right. It's called the Sonoran Distance Project. Yep. And it is um, our coach. His name is John Reich. Mm -hmm. And he just started this um, just about, I don't even think it's been two years, maybe about two years ago, less than two years ago. And his dream was to have a group of elite runners, distance marathon runners um, in the Phoenix, Arizona area, trained together to achieve their goals, more specifically the 2016 Olympic trials. Okay. And kind of what we've already talked about, just having a training group and training partners, success breeds success. And so when you have that, it motivates you and inspires you to run harder and you tend to accomplish higher goals that way. And so that was his vision. And um, so we started this group called Sonoran Distance Project. And it's a group of local women um, who most of us have the goal of trying to qualify for the Olympic trials in 2016. We do have one triathlete on the team and she's an elite triathlete. Um, she just felt like her running needed help. And ever since she joined the group, she's been excelling in winning uh, triathlons. Oh, that's very exciting. Yeah. And um, so we just, again, what we just talked about, we're a group of women helping each other, inspiring each other, picking each other up when we have bad days and just really helping each other achieve our um, running goals. Okay. And if someone is living in that area, uh, what kind of time would they have need to run to, if they wanted to go and check it out? It's actually on the website. It's, I, I believe he has it down a sub three hour marathon for the women. Okay. Um, if you wanted to join the group, I don't think he has any openings this year. He's trying to keep it to X amount okay. right now. It's at 16. So it's easily to, to manage and for sponsors too. Uh, we're very fortunate where we have Procter and Gamble as oh, a sponsor. Great. This wow. Yeah. And so it's very exciting. And, um, and so I think he's going to open it up for 2016. So that's something if somebody's local, if they want to look into, they can um, check out the website, sonorandistanceproject.com. 
yeah okay great and I will actually put a link to that at runnersconnect.net forward slash rc57 so you can check okay. that out as well um, awesome. and then so that I think that just kind of uh, emphasizes the importance of having a running group if you are working towards those running goals how important it is to have other people kind of shooting for the same same things as you and you know having people to run with on those workout days so I think that's kind of a good lesson for our listeners to learn that you know, if you if you are running mostly on your own to check out what is in the area and a lot of the time there is there are resources online, there are groups online, then just, just try and find one and just you know, maybe not necessarily as organized as that, but you know, just turn up and see what you find. It's a Yep, absolutely. I highly suggest it. And I'll I'll run into people who say, Oh, I don't like to run with other people, they slow me down or they, they're too fast or whatever. It, it is finding the right group mm-hmm. um, of runners and um or I'll even run with people who are maybe faster or slower. At least if you start together, that's the accountability of getting there. And then you finish together and you can celebrate. Yeah. And that feels good. Yeah. And I think also, just, yeah, just having that time to kind of talk afterwards is, is also nice. You know, talking about how your run went. And I know uh, Runners Connect, we are like a, we have a community and uh, our athletes all, each day they go on these, in this community board, they talk about how they went, run went and they support one another. And I think that's such a huge part of running. And that's, that's great to hear you say that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you've, you've obviously, uh, talked a lot about, um, th- how much you enjoy running. You look forward to it in the mornings and stuff. And on your website, um, you talk about, uh, motivational quotes. You put a lot of them up there and I've actually followed you for a while with your quotes cause I, I love reading them. Uh, do you have a favorite in particular that you tend to repeat to yourself over and over? Um, actually I have a lot of them yeah. <laughs> as you probably noticed on the website yeah. mm-hmm. and like here you can. Well, I guess the listeners can't see it, but my necklace, all my little mantras I put on here that inspire me. Um, but here is one that I absolutely love. I believe it's from Bart Yasso. Okay. And it's called, um, the true essence of running is that it's a passageway into another world. When transported to that other world, everything seems possible. And when you believe that you can achieve anything, you will. To me, oh, that sums wonderful. it all up mm-hmm. because for me, running was a passageway into another world. And once I achieved something, I believed in myself and I was able to achieve more and more and more. Um, mm-hmm. So I, this quote really talks to me. Um, I can go on. There's hundreds more, but that's probably my favorite. Okay. That, that, that's a wonderful one. And yeah, I, I, I like quotes as well. And I find, especially if you can find a short one or uh, a word that reminds you of one like that, you know, you, you can repeat it to yourself in races and whatever it is. And just that one word or that one phrase can, can make such a big difference. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you have any thoughts on what it is about quotes that are so effective at motivating us? Um, I think it puts your mind in the positive spot Mm -hmm. because you can't have a negative mind um, without getting a negative outlet or outcome. And so for me, if I am having a negative thought during a race, I will just repeat, you know, one of my mantras, you know, win the day, win the day, uh, you know, deal with it, deal with it, um, you know, short-term pain, long-term success, you know, whatever, you know, um, what else do I have on here? Win the day, find a way, find a way, don't find an excuse. And those things will just take me out of that. Oh my gosh, my lungs hurt. My legs are burning. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'll just concentrate on that. Okay. So that's what you tend to do when you're struggling in a race. You will, you know, make sure, make yourself focus on one of those. Right. I will not let myself focus on what hurts or the negative. I'll just pull out one of my quotes and 
it may not even be something that I have planned for that day. It just may be something that works for me at that particular moment. Mm -hmm. And I will just keep repeating it over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And the next thing I know, boom, I'm on a positive path and things are clicking. Yeah. Do you and, use any visualization within your training? Uh, or um, yeah, absolutely. During um, training, I would say almost every single day, I'll visualize something. If I'm training for a race, I'll visualize different segments of the race. Um, I'll visualize crossing the finish line with my time goal to the point of where I actually get goosebumps when I'm running. Um, and I have quotes all over my house, all over my office, just because I just firmly, firmly believe or strongly believe that our minds create our outcome, period. And so I just try to keep it as positive as possible. And that helps me. Mm -hmm. No, I definitely agree. And I, I like that you said, you know, you get the goosebumps. I actually find uh, sometimes when I'm visualizing, I'll actually even like punch the air or like raise my fist. And I'm sure people, you know, I run along smiling and people probably driving by like, what the heck is that girl doing? <laughs> you know, uh -huh. I don't care because whatever it is that gets you in the moment, whatever gets you, you know, feeling what it feels like so that you're not just imagining it, you're actually experiencing it I think that makes such exactly. a big difference so mm -hmm. it's good to hear right. you mention that as well yeah um, and I'll use it like in hard tempo runs or mm -hmm. um, any hard workout I'll say okay this is the last 5k of the marathon this is when you have to dig deep and you know suck it up and finish this mm -hmm. race and I'll do the same exact thing in training yeah I and think that's a huge part of things as well you know uh, putting yourself in that place remembering what it feels like in a marathon or in a race so that you know You've been through it and especially reminding yourself of days where you did struggle. Mm -hmm. That's good. Exactly. Yeah. You can really draw on those past experiences to motivate you during a marathon. Mm -hmm. And uh, okay, let's move on to, to injuries. I mean, I'm guessing in, at your, in your career, you've had some kind of injuries or a number of injuries. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your injury history, how you overcame it or whatever you'd like to share with us? Um, sure. I have definitely been on the injury roller coaster, so to speak. <laughs> And um, injury is difficult yep. and a challenging. Um, you can have the most positive frame mind in the entire world, and that's not going to overcome an injury, unfortunately. Um, I've tried. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, so I really started getting injured before my third Olympic trials um, in 2012. Uh, right before, probably six months before the trials when I was training, or maybe it was four months, I pulled my hamstring. And it was the second time I had pulled it. And it was pretty mm -hmm. major. So I pretty much trained for those Olympic trials on Elliptico. I had sent Elliptico a desperate email just saying, I cannot run. I am not missing my third Olympic trials. I need help. Is there any way, you know, we can work out something and I can get an Elliptico? And they were awesome. And um, so I had an Elliptico within a week. And I trained my brains out so I could finish the um, 2012 Olympic trials. And I finished um, and I wasn't last, <laughs> but, um, and after that, I think injury really kind of got to me because I had been kind of struggling with that, that particular hamstring. Mm -hmm. And so I just decided to retire and I wasn't going to run competitively. I was just going to coach full time and just run for fun. And that lasted less than a year. <laughs> <laughs> I started seeing a physical therapist that gave me a lot of hope and we worked really hard. Um, that's when I learned that prehab, um, is the most important thing. If I don't have time, if I only have time for one thing during the day, it's going to be physical therapy and strength training or cross training. Running is second now. And that's what I've learned. And I learned it, unfortunately, the hard way. And um, so with that in mind, I was able to get myself healthy again 
and start being competitive. Um, and unfortunately I just got injured again, the same hamstring, um, doing, and I was doing things mostly right, but now I'm not injured again. And, um, I'm even focusing more on the prehab, Mm -hmm. the rehab and the functional strength training. Um, so I've cut my miles back and that's more part of my day than running. And I think that I will reap the benefits. Yeah, oh, definitely. And I think that's that's what Meb. I've actually read quite a lot that that's what Meb thinks as well. He, you know, if it, if it's the um, choice between he only has thirty minutes and he either can get a run in or he can get his exercises in, he'll do the exercises. So it seems to have paid off for him. So hopefully it will for yep. you as well. Well, heck, if it works for Meb, I'm going to try it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. And how? Hamstr- yeah, so injury can be tough. And if there's mm-hmm. anything that I'm going to tell anybody out there, it's going to be don't give up. Go and find a plan, find a good physical therapy, find somebody who's very knowledgeable about functional strength training Mm -hmm. and stick to it. And it's consistency. My problem in the past was as soon as I started running strong and fast and healthy again, I'd let it go and I'd let it go. And then I'd run fast. Sure. For a while, but then I'd always break down. So this is really the first time in a long time where I am so committed to the tedious job of staying healthy, which it is because it's not as fun as running. Let's face it but it's worth it. Oh yeah. And so I'm really excited to see what I can do um, with this new regimen. I think that's a great point that Susan brings up there. And I hope, you know, everyone kind of took that in that, uh, you know, we, we all kind of fall into that trap when something's hurting and when something is painful, it's, it's fresh in your mind and you want to do everything you can to stay healthy. You'll do anything to get back healthy. If it means six hours of exercises, you'll do it. But once, once the pain kind of fades and you forget about how, miserable you were when you were injured you you kind of slack off it or do it later today I'll do it tonight I'll do it tomorrow and you kind of push it out and and that is when the weaknesses come back and that's when it you know uh comes back to bite you so you know like like Susan said especially if even if it is tedious even if it is something you push off like it's really not worth the extra half an hour where you you know lie on the couch you you want to make time for it and you know put the big picture in mind, what is more important to you that that 30 minutes of uh, procrastinating or staying healthy so that you can go after those goals. So I hope everyone kind of took that in there because that that was a very important point, especially when you have something like a hamstring. I actually went through that last year and hamstrings are not fun. (laughs) Yeah, um, they're hard. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And so, yeah, I can't emphasize that enough. Once you feel better and once you run fast, it's more important to go back to the basics and keep doing those physical therapy exercises. Yeah. So no, that's that's great, and thank you so much for going over that. And actually, uh, we have a great uh, functional strength training program that um, Jeff Godet, um, our founder, um, he actually created himself, and it's been very successful. People have had a lot of uh, success with it. So if you are looking for something, you don't know of a physical therapist nearby, you can check that out. I will put a link to that um, on the show notes for today. Um, so you can check that out. Um, so Susan, uh, have you found you've had to change much as you have aged other than, you know, you said it's more injuries that have caused you to make changes to your prehab and strength training. But we get a lot of listeners ask us about specific changes for each decade or almost each five years. But would you say it's not so much um, each, you know, you you reach age 40 and everything changes again. It's more just individual differences. Or did you would you say as you've aged, it has changed? I would definitely say as I've aged, it has changed. And I think 
I mean, we're probably all an experiment of one because I know when I was running in my 40s, everybody's like, oh, you're in your 40s, you, you know, you start breaking down and getting slower. But maybe since I didn't start until then, I never experienced that. And so mm-hmm. I'm experiencing it now in my 50s. And so for me, the changes didn't really happen until I was 50. Well, I should say the very late 40s and into 50s, um, noticing, like we've already covered, prehab, rehab, functional strength training is important, sleep. <laughs> I can't even emphasize how important sleep is because we all know that that's when we recover. But when you're younger, you can, and I'm talking younger when I was in my forties, <laughs> you can get away with less sleep. But now in my fifties, I just can't. My performance the next day just simply suffers. And so sleep is something that we really need to concentrate on. And nutrition, um, I think for hormone balance, I'm talking specifically women who are going through the change of life. Um, I mean, I went in and had a whole blood panel and found out that I was completely postmenopausal and I had absolutely no idea. Um, but that could explain a lot of injuries because I didn't have the, the right, you know, estrogen and testosterone to help, pre- to help with recovery, basically. And so that is something I encourage women, if they are in their 50s or they think they're at the change time, maybe that's something they want to look into. And so and then I found out the different vitamins um, and minerals that I was deficient in. So eating, I've had to pay more attention to. I think I was a very good, balanced, clean eater before. Now I'm much better because I'm eating for the deficiencies that I have as an aging woman. Okay. And would you say it's good to regularly get checked? Um, do you get um, Yes, I think it, I definitely think it is. Yes. And so I'm actually going in, I think just because I'm um, in menopause or postmenopausal, mm-hmm. I get checked every three months just to make sure everything's balanced out because... Um, me personally, I found out that I metabolize things very quickly. And so for them to stabilize everything, um, you know, it's just been a trial and error, basically. Okay. And so that was a huge thing. And I'm hoping that that's going to help prevent injury just because I've got my hormones balanced now. And, um, and again, eating properly and correctly, you know, for recovery is huge too. Getting enough proteins, um, you know, really want to eat the rainbow. It's mm-hmm. even more important as you're older. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's great. And I think that's important. You did bring that up about the premenopausal, postmenopausal, that change. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to kind of say about that or share about that? Just because I think that's something that's really neglected and, you know, often forgotten about. And people don't really want to talk about it, but you probably have some great advice that people would love to hear from or recommendations and other than being checked yeah. out. Yeah, um, I actually switched over to a nature path because I wanted to do everything the natural way. And mm-hmm. I have found that to be just priceless okay. because they really pay attention. They really want to um, help you achieve your goals through food and through a natural way. And so that's the approach that I am taking. Um, I was kind of in denial for a long time. It was somebody at a race that actually said, oh, you're going to be 50. Have you ever checked your hormones? And I'm like, well, no, why do I need to check my hormones? I feel fine. Um, I had no idea that I wasn't. And so it was a huge wake up call for me. And, um, so I guess my advice for women would be definitely go in and get checked and pay attention to it. Um, and just realize that you are an experiment of one. And so find that's why you need to work closely with your nature path or your doctor to find out what works for you. Okay. And when you said about nature path, is there, is there a website for that that I can put on our show notes? Um, I go to a place called integrative health and okay. it's in Scottsdale, Arizona. Oh, but there will be one in every location kind of thing. Um, or I, I have like no that. idea. Okay. That actually. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. Well, um, if, I guess, you know, that's going to be depending on where you live, but you can kind of look up to see what is available for you in that, in that area. 
Yeah, uh, and maybe find somebody that specializes in women's hormones. Okay. Um, this particular place um, specializes in women's hormones and thyroid. Mm-hmm. And um, so. Okay, good to know. Um, and then uh, what about, you mentioned with cross-training, um, and you've, you know, seen how important that has been, and uh, you've, you know, you put it ahead of your running right now, and you mentioned the elliptigo, but do you have other forms of cross-training that you do? Do you swim or bike or anything else? I swim, actually, two to three times a week. Okay. I started swimming in January when I pulled my hamstring again, and um, again, I decided I'm going to stick to this, because every time I've ever gotten injured, as soon as I'm better, I stop all the extra. And so I have not stopped, and I'll never be an Olympic trial swimmer, that's for darn <laughs> sure. <laughs> but I do, um, twice a week, I take a triathlon um, master's class where we do interval work in the pool. Okay. And then on Sundays, I swim with my husband after my long run. And I have found that it really helps with stretching oh. and just overall recovery after my long run. I feel better after my long run, after a pool swim. Um, and then I just do endurance. I just kind of go back and forth. And then Tuesday and Thursday, I do the interval, the faster swimming. Okay, great. And, um, I think it helps with my aerobic capacity, and I feel like it really helps with my recovery. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah, no, I have heard that before and uh, about uh, the pool actually makes a big difference to recovery, but that's that's really interesting. Hmm. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm very proud of myself because I've been consistent since January. Okay, and great. Yeah, that, been, that. yeah, and I've been running pain-free now for over a month, so I probably, in the past, the old me, <laughs> the 40-year-old me, would have quit by now. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm not going to. <laughs> Too young and inexperienced at that point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you've you said that focus, uh, recovery is a big focus for you, but any other additional tips or tricks that you've picked up regarding recovery that you would recommend to other people that we haven't already mentioned? Um, I think take that extra five to ten minutes before your run to do some dynamic stretching. Okay. You know, just something as simple as the lunge matrix or yep. kneeling matrix just to get things moving before you start running and then make sure that you spend, you know, it doesn't have to take all day, just maybe 10 minutes stretching afterwards. Sometimes if I'm in a hurry to get home, I won't stretch immediately afterwards. But when I get home, I will, you know, have my protein shake, my recovery shake, and then I'll sit down and I'll spend a good 10, 15 minutes. And I do a lot of foam rolling. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, I'm a typical runner that buys these gadgets. And I just got that, um, what's it called? The R8, the roll recovery. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I love that. Yeah, and I it's have so one simple. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, so just spend, just really spend a little extra time. I'm sure with Runners Connect, you probably have some dynamic stretches on there that you can share, and post race stretches. Yeah. Yep. We do. Yep. And uh, the lunch matrix that you mentioned, actually, we got um, a great routine from uh, Jay Johnson, who's one of our coaches. So I'll put that on the show notes as well. But yeah, the uh, role recovery for our listeners who uh, may not have heard of it, you definitely should check it out and I'll put a link to it. But it's um, it's almost like uh, two roller skates um, on either like side. Roller yeah, roller, uh-huh. yeah. And uh, so you would hold on to both sides um, of these wheels and then you put it onto your leg and it kind of gets the muscle from both sides and it's really it's it's aggressive but not too aggressive and it really it really works the muscles out great and I find when I use that especially in my quads um if I foam roll afterwards it feels so much better it's so much less painful because you've kind of got that muscle loosened up a little bit so definitely Mm -hmm. would recommend that and Susan obviously does too um yeah so one other trick I don't know if it's a trick but I have a foam pad you can even buy like a gardener's, the kneeling pad. Yep. 
you know, that they use for when they're gardening on their knees and just leave it in your car. And so I will pull that out in the parking lot and I'll do the kneeling matrix, you know, or if you want to go on there and you can do the Jay Johnson, the Myrtle hip girdle routine. Yep. Um, you know, with that. And so I have that all the time. So no matter where I am, whatever surface it is, I can get out there and I can do, you know, my lunge matrix, kneeling lunge matrix or whatever needs to be done. That's such a good idea. And actually I often find myself when I'm uh, running from various places, trying to do um, a hip flexor stretch and I put my knee on the ground and it (laughs) hurts so bad Mm -hmm. that I can't even uh, do it. So yeah, that's a good idea. Thanks for that tip. (laughs) And then I always also have a towel in there so you can lay down Uh and then a rope. So if you just have everything, make it as convenient and effortless as possible. So you do it. Great advice there. Really good advice. Um, so let's let's just go over some of your, your highlights. Um, do you have a race in mind that particularly sticks out as a, a highlight so far or one that, you know, really was a, a fantastic moment for you? Um, well, I'll have to say probably the best race of my life was in 2010, um, the two, uh, Twin Cities Marathon. Okay. Um, I, I, it was my fourth time winning the USA Masters Championship race, and I was simply going to qualify for the trials. Um, my goal wasn't even to win the Masters Championship. Um, you know, there were women certainly faster than me, and um, I just really wanted to qualify again for the third time. And so that was my goal. Um, and as I was racing, I was feeling good. And you know how you have those races where you're going to hit your realistic goal but you have also those races every once in a very great while that you're feeling on and you can hit that dream goal. And so I went for the dream goal that day and ended up um, running a 244 at, I guess I was 40, 48 um, and winning the, my fourth USA masters championship. And here's the best part. As soon as I finished my husband or my boyfriend at the time was at the finish line and he had worked with the race director and had my medal um, engraved on the back, Susan, will you marry me? <gasps> I'm not oh, kidding. Oh, yeah. Oh. And so I had a dream goal race and I got proposed. So, wow. um, I would have to say you really can't top 2010. Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure anyone could really top that now. I mean, that's, you'd have to, you'd have to have a pretty impressive, uh, Olympic style, um, <laughs> race to, uh, to beat a goal, a day like that. Wow. What a, what a day. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> So that was probably my best race. I've had a lot of fun ones, but that was the, that's the one that sticks out. Okay. And uh, I take it um, we'll, we'll stay on the positive note, but you, you have had some marathons where you have struggled just, just so we can uh, prove you're not superhuman here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Actually, it was at the Twin Cities Marathon because I've run that marathon so many times. I've oh. only had one DNF, um, do not finish, did mm-hmm. not finish, and that was at the Twin Cities. And it was one year, and I think this would be um, – a good lesson in mental training and mental strength going into that race. I just wasn't mentally on for whatever reason. I just wasn't, I didn't want it. I wasn't hungry enough. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think I was willing. I didn't know this at the time, but um, as soon as it started raining and as soon as it started getting windy and as soon as it started getting cold, all these excuses started coming in my head and I didn't have the um, passion or drive for whatever reason that particular day to push him away. And so I let him get the best of me and I ended up dropping out halfway through my only time I've ever dropped out. And I think reflected on that, I was able to realize what had happened. I wasn't fully mentally prepared for that race um, for various reasons. And um, I didn't want it bad enough. Mm-hmm. And therefore I quit. And yep. um, of course I had a hundred reasons that particular day on why yep. I had to, because I was so cold. I couldn't feel my feet. The list goes on and on. But when push comes to shove, I gave up. Yeah. 
And so that was a miserable day, but it was honestly probably one of my best races too, because I learned so much and I Uh learned the importance of our mind on Mm -hmm. that day. So what would you have changed if you could have gone back? Do you think there's anything you could have done? Um, I think I would have really talked to myself and why do I want to do this? Um, At that, for whatever reason, that time I was doing it because it was expected out of me. And I placed that expectation on myself. Mm -hmm. I wasn't doing it because I wanted to do it. I wasn't doing it because I had this amazing goal, a personal goal. So there has to be a reason bigger than you or bigger. Well, I guess the bottom line is it can't be for somebody else. It can't be because people expect it out of you. You have to want it for whatever that, you know, particular reason is. And I realized, and I understood that that day. And so now I don't go into a race and, you know, there's always a personal reason um, maybe it's to inspire other people, but it means something to me. And if it means something to me, I'm going to put my heart and soul into that race and accomplish my goal. Oh, that's so important. I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned that because that, that really is a, an important point. You know, we often, everyone at every level put pressure on ourselves to do things for other people. And like you said, take it away from your personal goals and what it personally means to you. And at the end of the day, the people that matter to you will love you, whether you, you know, you run a, a, a six-hour marathon or you run a, a two-and-a-half-hour marathon. It doesn't really matter. So I think that's that's great because um, that's, that's so true. Um, mm-hmm. And then will you just tell our um, listeners, just because uh, Susan and I were talking a bit before the um, interview, uh, can you just tell us about uh, your 50th birthday, about that experience? I absolutely will. I would love <laughs> to because that was another wonderful day. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, as I was turning 50, um, and maybe people out there that have turned 50 understand this too, um, I wasn't really thrilled about it. I think because I did love my 40s and I ran so well and um, thinking that my best days were behind me, I was really having a tough time. Um, I'll just admit it. I was having a tough time getting older. It didn't sound fun to me. <laughs> and so I thought, okay, how can I get myself out of this? I'm like, I'm going to run a marathon on my 50th birthday because it happened to be on a Sunday and I'm going to win that darn marathon. (laughs) Um, And that's how I'm going to start out this decade. And my mindset going into my 50s is going to be that I'm going to start all over. Here's my fresh slate. These are going to be all new PRs for my 50s. So that's how I wanted to attack it. And the way I wanted to start it was on my 50th birthday. So there was two marathons on July 28th and one was in Ennis, Montana and then one was in Alaska. So I picked the one in Montana because that was closer. Um, and it was in Ennis, Montana on Gravely Mountain. It's recognized as the highest elevation marathon in the country. It starts at 10,000. And it's on the mountain pass. So it's up and down and up and down and up and up and up and up and down. And you go past cows and sheep. and <laughs> It's kind of crazy. And um, I accomplished my goal. I went there um, and I ran a very, my slowest marathon. Um, well, besides my first marathon, I think I ran like a 345, but it was a course record and I won that day. Um, and so it kind of goes with one of my favorite mantras, win the day. And so that's how I kicked off my 50th. Yeah. And I've been able to keep that mindset ever since. Oh, and so great. as I go into my 50s, I'm just going to set new PRs for my 50s. And then when I'm 60, I'll set new PRs for my 60s, so on and so on. Yeah, no, that's that's great and very inspiring. And uh, in addition to that kind of mindset, is there any other um, advice you have for people? You know, as you as you do get older, for setting those goals when you when people kind of realize maybe their best times are behind them. Um, you know, you you mentioned about you know winning a marathon, but what other ways can people stay inspired and keep their motivation up? Um, setting new goals, I think again, it kind of goes back to finding what 
resonates with you, mm-hmm. you know, what it excites you. And you know, for me, it's still running. And so it's putting my old goals be, or my old times behind me and starting fresh with new set of goals. Um, for somebody who's not running, just find out, find something that you're passionate about and go for it. And if it's something new, then that's always exciting. New meaning like for me, I'm swimming right now mm-hmm. and I never thought I'd say this, but it's kind of fun to see myself you know, get a little bit faster and get better and better at swimming. Again, I'll never be an Olympic trials qualifier in swimming, but I'm improving yeah. and that's really fun. And so I have a new goal for swimming too. Um, I started out only being able to swim like 1200, you know, now I'm up to like 24. That's a big jump. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, so just setting goals for yourself, finding the reasons why these goals are important for you and just keep going. Yeah. And that's going to make life tons of fun. Yeah. Exciting. Great advice. Really good advice. So, okay, we're going to end the interview there, but I just have one last question that I do ask all the guests that come on the show. So if you could give us one word to describe what you would like to become, accomplish, achieve this year, what would it be and why? If I had one goal to accomplish and achieve this year? One word to describe. Oh, one word. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, really what sings to my heart and what motivates me is to inspire. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Is there a reason so, for that word? Like what would you would like to accomplish from that? Um, to inspire other people to become the best that they can be. Okay. And if Great. little tiny things that I do or little tiny goals that I achieve help inspire you or somebody else mm-hmm. to achieve their goal and they get that wonderful feeling of success yeah. at the end of the day, that means more to me than winning a race. No, that's, that's, that's wonderful. Wonderful. And uh, just to finish up, do you want to tell us a bit about um, your website or just some more information of where people can find you or whatever you would like to share about um, people staying in touch with you? Oh, absolutely. Um, I actually am a coach also. Mm -hmm. And my website is um, www.believetrainbecome.com. And they can look for me on there. I also have a blog on WordPress, Mm -hmm. susanloken.com. And so I'm pretty easy to find and Facebook and Twitter. Okay. <laughs> all great. the social media channels. <laughs> yeah. All the usual suspects. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Well, I'll put links to those um, on our show notes, which can be found at runnersconnect.net forward slash RC57. So, uh, Susan, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I've really enjoyed talking to you and uh, you've, you have inspired me and it's been great to talk to you. And I'm sure many of our listeners are going to think about heading straight out the door for their run because they, they got excited from listening to this. So, or if they're not already running while listening to this. <laughs> so thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. Have a great day. You too. Inspire. Of course, Susan would pick that word. She is such an inspiration and I'm not surprised she wants to keep on going. What a great interview. I learned so much. I'm sure you learned a lot. And I hope you will continue to follow Susan in the future, especially on her journey towards the 2016 trials. The topics from today's episode, as well as a link to Susan's coaching and personal websites, can be found at runnersconnect.net forward slash rc57. If you enjoyed today's podcast, it would really, really mean a lot to me if you could leave us a review on iTunes. I made a nice little video that I've left on the page, so you can follow that and it makes it really simple for you. I promise it won't take very long. You will really help us on our goal to becoming the number one running podcast. Thank you so much for listening today and I hope you have a great week.